Angie and Amanda go into random life and work topics with each other and guests on whatever the fuck. Not taking life so seriously takes work and a support system. So come here to get a dose of chaos busting that will open up new ways to approach life and work. When I first got into leadership, I couldn't delegate because I just wanted to, you know, be superwoman and do it all. And one of my leaders, when I finally, you know, had got managers underneath me, I, I remember him telling me, Amanda, you're giving us stuff to do and then you're going in and you're doing it as well. And <laughs> he said, you need to learn to delegate. And I don't know what it was about that conversation, but everything changed. I was like, you know what? You were absolutely right. And that might be the first and only time in my life I've ever listened to anybody the first time they've said something. Um, and you know, that's true. Um, but <laughs> I, something changed and I started, I'm like, I need to empower my team. So I started delegating. And so my team still gives me feedback. Uh, people that I worked with, you were the best boss I ever had. You let us run our own business. You left us alone. Mm -hmm. You gave us responsibility that was outside of our day-to-day -day job. You trusted us. Mm -hmm. It was like we were part of the leadership team, like yeah. every single one of them. And got, you know, moved people out to promotions if, if that was the best role for them. And, you know, tried to help them out if they left the company. I mean, you you ended up hiring someone that worked with me. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, hire her. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, just really putting that person first versus... Yeah you know, the, whatever the goal or whatever that week's goal or, or quarter's goal is, if you put people first, they're going to put the company first. Yeah. They're going to be empowered to want to do their job, do it right. They're going to, you know, feel confident. They're going to, you know, really, uh, you know, they're, they're going to feel good about what they do every day. And that's going to show in how they interact with customers or, or how they do their job. And it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's, um, it's interesting how people do split that personality, you know, mm -hmm. and they're able to be one way at work and, and one way, you know, in life. And because then people can understand your behaviors, where you come from with them, you know, and I think part of that is the most inconsistent thing you can do to an employee. Mm -hmm. And I've learned this both as an employee and as a leader is to be one way with that employee the entire year, right? Because mm -hmm. we're coming up on performance evaluation time. Uh -huh. And you're like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's great. And then they get their evaluation and they're below expectation or they're not where they thought they were. You have now, you put, you, you have not done them any favors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like you've betrayed them the mm -hmm. whole year because you've been telling them one thing. And in reality, it's another. So you lied to them all year. Yeah. The way that they're going to look at it. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you have to be consistent in everything. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't been consistent and you haven't given them that feedback of what they've done throughout wrong throughout the year. Yeah. Then guess what? You owe them performance. Well, you owe yeah. it to them. You have given them everything all year that they have performed. Well, they yeah. performed well, it doesn't matter if they didn't or not. So that's on you as a leader. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I've seen that um, happen so many times. I've had it happen to me too, you know, or there's a nitpicking mm -hmm. at the end of the year. It's like, really, that's what you're going to come back with because you have to give me something. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, joke. The whole, oh, we never give anybody exceeds expectations. We never give anybody. <laughs> okay, then why is it on it? Or in this one about. meeting, <laughs> you you called out yes. that that you're, you're not going to be able to contribute this much money to the bottom line that you yes. did this quarter. So everybody else better step up. Like, that was a negative. 
Right. I'm just stating the obvious. <laughs> it wasn't about not being humble. Yeah. It was about I'm being freaking frank and honest. Right. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's that came back to bite me. Seriously. And I did say it in a nicer way, but, you know, still. Uh, yeah. It's always something. It's like, oh, you know, I know you hit your goals. I, I know you had a, the best growth year. I know you had a lot going on personally, but... <laughs> You know, you had newer people that they're not where they need, you know, you have one newer person that's not where they need to be. <laughs> Instead of looking at, like, it's a holistic view, right? It's not like, yeah. a, you have to look at it as a whole. You can't dig in that deep. And if it's going to be that deep of a dig in, that's mm-hmm. called a monthly review. Yeah. Or a weekly review. Or exactly. It's not a yearly review. You have to look at the whole picture. Yeah. I even started like the whole performance review thing. I feel if you're doing your job along the way, like you shouldn't spend your performance review, like putting every little thing down that, that you've already had a conversation about and they've already done, but help them guide them for the next year. Like give them guidance in agreement, agree with them, you know, have agreement with them Mm -hmm. on the areas of focus and growth. Yep. And that's the most productive. It should be. Yes. And it should also be about where do we want to be as a department? Where do we want to be as a company? You know, and how do you as a leader align with that? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. more about that. It's not about like, oh, Q1 of last yeah. year, you know, as an employee, you know, you didn't really grow as much, even though you killed it in Q2, 3, and 4. Exactly. It's more about, okay, here's where you are. Such here's a joke. Here, and yeah. then this is where we're going to go. Like, like, let's go. Like, yeah. it, that's that conversation. It's, yeah. It should be, you know, they give you that little paragraph at the end, like, oh, what are your expectations for next year? Um, It's called planning, especially in a sales operation uh-huh. or environment, mm-hmm. in any business. Yeah. This should be the time where we're sitting down with them and we're planning out that next year. Yeah. The exactly. year has already happened. <laughs> where you're you know, working on expectations and alignment right. clarity as well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if it are, if it's already happened, what's the point of talking about it? That's what drives me crazy about some of the reports that, you know, oh, this is what happened this and oh, here, here's this. That's already happened. What yeah. do we need to do? Forecast. Yeah forecast, forecast. Mm -hmm. That's how you grow. You don't grow from looking backwards. Yeah. Well, and that's why people become disengaged too. And they're just like, you know what? This sucks. I don't give a fuck anymore. And and they disengage. It's because how we handle these things, you know, it's because of how they're treated. Um, And also I would say um, not acknowledged and valued uh, which is one of the biggest things that I hear from clients is I don't feel valued. I don't feel acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And that means effort as well as contribution, as well as impact. Like there's a, there's a, a whole combination of things there, you right. know, that it's not just about one thing that you acknowledge people for like, Oh, you worked late. Thank you. You know, no, it's, wow. You had a really tough conversation. You were able to influence that entire group to get on board with this. Mm-hmm. That was incredible. Acknowledge them for that. Right. Because that's a skill and a capacity that your entire team does not have. Right. That you, person. But this is this is where it all comes from. It's just that, you know, you somewhere along the line, this has become the norm of, you know, oh, it's a performance evaluation and you sandwich good, bad, good, good, bad, good. It's so, it's like 80s thinking. It's so ridiculous that the way that we think. Uh-huh. It's so um, it's it's not this holistic view. It's more of just this, you know, somebody wrote a book and everybody follows it and that's, that's it. And nobody's, and any new books written that makes sense, everyone's like, oh, wow, that's me. I don't know. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so funny. We had the um, actual director of the county libraries um, system come in and talk to Altrusa last night, our group. 
And um, it was so incredible, his speech. It was just amazing. And we were talking about how so many books have been banned, right? Or people are trying to ban books. And I go, yeah, mine will be banned in 20 years. Right. Right? Because the concept is it doesn't fit a social or communistic environment. Mm -hmm. Because it is about freedom. It is about individualism. And it is about, from a leadership perspective, not this control and and, um, and command and, and control or directive or authoritarian type of leadership. It's very different than that. So I have a feeling my books will be banned in 20 years. Well, that's because, you know, they've conditioned people that you go to work, you work nine to five, yep. make everybody happy, you get it, here's your prize, and you go home to your family and you buy bread. And then you do it again the next week. And then you do it again the next week. And then you do it again the next week. And it keeps your mind busy and in a box so that you don't think outside that box. And you do it until you're too old to do anything fun or great with your life, except want to get the hell away from it and go live in an RV somewhere and get your your little check that you've saved up for. I mean, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. And then most of you don't even like to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, and then, and then two, the whole work schedule, I know everybody has different shifts, but we're going to hone in on like the eight to five shift. Okay. Um, do you know why that was created? It was created like back in the fifties or so. It was because people were working 60 to 80 hours a week and there was no control over it. So the government actually put in place mm-hmm. this whole 40 hour work week framework to right. protect us. Okay. Now we feel like a prisoner to it. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. But it actually was a protection because at the time people were being abused with, they weren't getting paid for that whole time they're working. Right. So they put this in place to actually protect the people. And right. now, you know, 70 years later, we're going, this is abusive. Like it doesn't fit how I work. I, right. I, my creative time, my productive time, my impact time, my collaboration time, when I'm at my peak times does not fit in eight to five. Right. And it's not about the hours per week works because I can tell you right now, I work way more than 40 hours a week at just my, my corporate job, mm-hmm. not the other one, but yeah. because I'm doing it and I, I go and I run at lunch and I take that break and I step back from my desk and I yeah. leave right on time. And I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, I have, I have something to, I got to go, but that doesn't mean that right now I probably have six hours of work tomorrow and then I plow out on Sunday for a, a, for, you know, a, a conference in Ohio mm-hmm. and I'm there all week. So it's it's more that's important yes it is all about flexibility that is really important it's when you have travel going on too Mm -hmm. it isn't that you're working eight to five while you're traveling right i mean i it's like 7 a.m to midnight sometimes and then you're going back to your hotel room to catch up on emails yes and do other work yes and so by the time you get home even if you're only traveling for three days you're exhausted your half the weekend is spent just trying to catch up on sleep so you don't get sick. Yeah. So when when you think about now, now the next week you're home, right? Either working remote or you go into an office, you're in that eight to five schedule. It's like, really? What about the 80 hours I worked last week while I was traveling? Right. I mean, I used to wake up at four in the morning and travel. I would drive to Fort Worth every week, right? When I first started this job, which I had no problem with, but every week at four in the morning, drive to Fort Worth. By the time one o'clock would hit, I was hitting a wall on that Monday. So mm-hmm. that Monday already done, you know, go back to the hotel, spent 
then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're, you know, full force in the office and Thursday, they're half day, then driving home Thursday afternoon. Well, while you're driving, guess what? You can't check emails. You can't work. You know, you can't do any of that. So then, then you're backed up and then you're working all day Friday. So you're just, it's, it's a constant go. It's not, you know, traveling is not like, oh, well, it's Sunday and you travel and, you know, that's your own time. It It's not, it's work time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> working. You're 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 in the airport working yeah. and then you're traveling yeah. and it's a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. you know what? Every once in a while it's fine. But people do it every week mm-hmm. and they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How they do it. I just had a an, on my other podcast, I just had a um a guest on who for seven years she commuted from Florida to Chicago every single week for oh seven years on Monday morning. She'd be up there. She would actually be in the office in Chicago before local people who lived there would show up in the office because of the time change. It it gave her a little benefit, direct flight, all that. Then she would leave on Thursday night and get back Friday uh, or, you know, be home and then, and then Friday work and then have the weekend Sunday. You know, she was basically packing Sunday afternoon, getting ready and and prepping for the week. Yes. Yes. But she did this for seven years. People that travel like that are amazing. And to even do that on top of that, if you have a family, yeah, she has even a son, a husband. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how people do that. It's it's definitely a different lifestyle for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think now too with with the whole COVID thing and work travel, I think people are starting to really question. Like people have been kind of isolated for a bit, so right now they're like. Ooh, travel. We get to travel again. Like budgets are opening up and events are starting to happen in person. And people are like, oh, but then you hear, oh my God, I just traveled three or four weeks in a row. Now I'm sick. Or I got COVID while I was on the road. Or, you know, I haven't seen my family in a month, you know, and I'm already burnt out. And I think what's going to happen again is people are going to now say, I'm going to challenge this travel trip. Is this necessary? What is the goal and objective of this? And if I'm only going for literally one day, but it's a three-day trip because of travel up, travel back, wherever you're going, especially if you're heading out west from the East Coast and vice versa. Right. Like, if you're if you're doing something that it's literally for one isolated event or meeting. One meeting with a client or One something. meeting? Yeah. Hello, challenge it or expand it and make it bigger and more impactful so you don't have to then get in the ro- on the road a couple weeks later or whatever. But I think also, like, our, you know, our customers, so anybody in this, in, in a business industry where you meet with customers or clients, you, you um, also have events that you go to, you're face-to-face with people in the old traditional world, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, like, they've changed. They're not in offices anymore. They're working remote. They also don't want to get on a plane and travel like they used to. Like, it was ridiculous how much time it took them away from their families. And then the other big part of it, too, is a lot of people... While they were home and working from home and, and, and you know, really reevaluating their life, they came up with new practices on how to be healthier physically, mentally, emotionally, connecting with their families in a different way, being part of and participating in their kids' lives, connecting with their partner, creating hobbies. Like all of these things now have become very important. Yeah. So now if you just throw them on the road again... Guess what? You have just disrupted their practices. There is no flexibility in that. Mm-hmm. So I think companies really need to be serious about what's necessary. 
What is going to bring impact and who needs to be part of that? Not just throwing a bunch of people at something. 